Good morning. Uh, if you are so inclined, uh, we're going to be in our epistle lesson. Excuse me, our epistle lesson uh, from First Peter chapter three. So, if you are so inclined, I invite you to, to follow along uh, in your bulletin. Uh, but before we get there, um, earlier this week, I was uh, just kind of uh, perusing uh, the internet, and uh, I came across um, a comic. And uh, this comic was uh, it was. Uh, a somewhat familiar uh, scene that's, that's usually satirized in, in one form or another, uh, where there's a man, and, and he's lying there on, on the therapist's couch. Um, and then there next to, to the man lying on the couch is, is this therapist, and, and the therapist has his, his notebook. Um, and, and so you see that they're sitting there uh, together, conversing in the midst of, of a counseling session. And there at the, at the bottom of the comic, uh, the caption just simply reads, Well, of course you have a purpose. You pay taxes, don't you? <laughs> and uh, I, I, I chuckled uh, at that. And, and I think partly it's because that's sort of what passes for humor now that I'm a father of two. Um, and, and just the bar's pretty low. <laughs> But, but I think one of the reasons uh, I, I find that humorous, and, and while maybe it doesn't cause you to laugh out loud, at least causes a little smirk on your face, is I think that most of us, in, in one form or another, we, we identify with that struggle. We, we identify with that, that struggle wrestling with, what is my purpose in life? In fact, I think most of us, we, we long to have a life that is filled with, with a sense of purpose. In fact, that's one of the reasons that many people gra- gravitate toward spirituality, toward religious participation, is because those sorts of things, they help us consider and they help us discover what our purpose is in life. Because frankly, it's, it's pretty hard to actually get up and live and, and do the things we're supposed to do and struggle with the things that we have to struggle with and, and face hardships and, and pain and all sorts of things. It's hard to do all of that if there's no meaning behind any of it. It's something that's sort of wired into us as, as human beings is we long for, we need a sense of purpose. That, that life just lived for the sake of nothing isn't much of a life at all. And so at the heart of, of this topic of discipleship that we have been discussing for the past month and a half, really we should at some point ask ourselves the question is, what is the purpose of discipleship? What is the, the purpose of, of growing spiritually and, and seeking to follow Jesus? What does God have in mind for his people? And, and people give all kinds of, of different answers to it. I, I think at times maybe we're led to think that, that really the, just the purpose of, of Christianity and discipleship is just sort of be regular in worship every week. That we just sort of do our, our life stuff over here and, and we come to worship on Sundays Or maybe we'll take it a step further that the purpose of discipleship is that we be really good and really faithful in reading our Bibles. And we understand what the scriptures say and what they teach. For Lutherans, sometimes uh, I feel like the purpose of discipleship feels like 
we should just feel really guilty all the time. Right? The, the sole purpose of, of growing spiritually is to know that, that we can never be too good, and so we should always feel a little bit down on ourselves. Or sometimes the picture is given that, that the whole purpose of discipleship and the Christian life is to just sort of hang on until Jesus comes back. But are those really at the heart of, of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus? As we talk about that identity that we have in Jesus, the, the, the values that he gives to us, and then the practices that, that follow suit, what is the end goal that God has in mind? What is the, the purpose that God's people have in life? And I think once we start talking about this topic of purpose, we naturally lead into something that has historically been taught in the church as this idea of vocation. Vocation is a good way to put any term that you want to, if you want to sound really important, you just put it in Latin. And so vocation, really all that means is, is calling. It's what is your, your calling in life. Now sometimes when we talk about purpose and, and calling in the church, it can mistakenly lead us to think about, oh, where, where is God calling me? Where, where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to be doing that I'm not already doing? But I think a better way to think about vocation and our calling in life is simply asking ourselves this question, where has God placed me? Where has God placed me? Who are the people he's given me to interact with? Whether that be my family, my neighbors, the people next to me in church, the people next to me at work. Who are those people in my workplace that, that I'm called to listen to and follow their authority? Who are those people that I've been given authority over? Where is it that God has placed you in life? Because that is where your vocation is. That is where your calling is. That, that ultimately is where your purpose is found. In 1 Peter chapter 3, what we read a minute ago this morning, Peter gives a great deal of instruction to, to the church, to, to the Christians that he is writing to, about the ways that they are supposed to live their lives. And the ways that they are supposed to treat one another and also treat the world around them. But before Peter gets to there, he's been talking about a whole bunch of other topics that re relate very directly to vocation. For example, at the end of chapter 2, Peter is talking about the Christian's relationship to government. So, so how should the Christian relate to those state officials and authorities that are over them? And then from that conversation, he then turns to talk about servants and how they're supposed to relate to their masters. So really, ultimately, what Peter's talking about in these verses, he's talking about how do we understand those who are in authority over us? How should we relate to the U.S. government? How should we relate to those who are in authority over us in the workplace? How should we relate to those we have been called to serve as we're in authority over them? 
Peter then shifts from talking about the, the topic of authority to, to talking about relationships, and particularly the relationship of husbands and wives. How should men treat their spouses? How should wives treat their spouses? How should husbands and wives relate to one another? So all of these things that Peter has been talking about leading up to what we read this morning should be causing us to think about the vocations that God has given us. Those family vocations, those workplace vocations, those citizenship vocations. And so then instead of talking about specific vocations, Peter then addresses the entire church telling them how they should operate in all of their vocations. Listen to what he says in verse 8 again. He says, finally, all of you. All of you. So not just husbands, not just wives, not just those who, who have masters over them. All of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you are called, that you may obtain a blessing. So Peter, he kind of talks about two different kinds of relationships for the Christian. In verse 8, he's primarily talking about the way that Christians should treat one another. So how should those within the church handle themselves when there's conflict? How should we seek to live together as the body of Christ? He says, have unity of mind. Be sympathetic and compassionate toward one another. Be humble in the way that you operate rather than proud. But then in verse 9, he turns and he talks about not repaying evil for evil, reviling for reviling. Here he's talking more about not the Christian's relationship with one another, but how do we relate to those outside of the church? And ultimately, it's the same. We don't enter into the church and treat people with love and kindness and respect only to go out into the world to treat people with evil, returning reviling and hatred with more and more hatred. No, 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 no. The way that Peter says we relate both to those in the church and those outside the church is with kindness, with love, with compassion and sympathy. That we should seek to live in harmony with all people. So both in the church and outside of it, Love and kindness rule the day. In all of our vocations, we should be seeking to treat people with such love, such kindness, such respect and compassion and sympathy. And then Peter, he turns here and he roots this actually in the scriptures. He quotes Psalm 34 saying, For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil. And his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So this notion that those who are in the church ought to live and seek good is rooted 
in the Scriptures. Citing Psalm 34, ultimately what Peter is saying to the people, he's saying, if you want to see good in the world, then do it. Don't go into the world treating people with hatred and evil and expect to see anything besides it. Go, seek good, treat all people with love and with kindness. And all of the judgment, simply leave that to God. Because that's up to Him. It's in His hands. Simply go and be people who want to see good and therefore do good. And one of the reasons that he cites for doing this is that when we desire to see good, when we seek to do good, when we seek to treat people with love and kindness and respect, Peter suggests that it's a win-win situation. Listen to what he says in, in verse 13 and 14. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. So Peter says here first, you should do good. You should seek to see the good in the world. You should seek to treat people with love and kindness and respect, regardless of the circumstances. Because more often than not, people aren't going to harm you for doing good. Ordinarily, people will treat you the same way you treat them. But on the flip side, even in the case where you are harmed, where you are persecuted, what do you have to fear? Because the promise that is made to us in Scripture, think back to the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, is that if you are persecuted, for pursuing goodness, if you are persecuted for righteousness' sake, if you are persecuted and harmed for representing Jesus, you're blessed. So it's a win-win. So seek good. Treat people with love and kindness. And be prepared to then follow with the reason you do it. Verse 15, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Always being prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. Always being prepared to give a witness to the truth that motivates all of our desire to do good and treat people with love and kindness. Always being prepared to represent Christ who has laid down His life for us. Ultimately, the call that Peter gives to us and Scripture brings to us is to do two things. To go forth, to do good, showing love and kindness and respect to all. And then being prepared 
to share Jesus when we're asked. That's ultimately what our vocations amount to. It is treating everyone, our family members, our fellow church members, our neighbors, our co-workers, treat them with love and kindness and respect. And be prepared to share Christ when the opportunity presents itself. That's it. There's no call here to go and stand on a corner with a bullhorn shouting down people on the street. There's no need to go forth and proclaim that fire and brimstone are coming. The call to the Christian is simple. Show love. Show kindness. Show respect to everyone regardless of the circumstances. And when you are asked why you do this, be prepared to give a witness to the gospel. That's all we're called to do. Our vocation, our purpose, our calling in life is as simple as that. Show love, show kindness, do good, and share Jesus. I can remember when I was uh, in seminary, uh, one of the the things that that was sort of very popular at the time in Christian literature was this idea of of missional theology. And and it was this whole movement within the church that, that the church should be gathered around, first and foremost, sharing Christ with the world. And this isn't necessarily a a new idea. I think, in fact, in some ways, it's a very biblical idea. But I can remember reading a lot of things that that talked a great deal about different ways that the church should be about sharing the gospel. And different things that, that I should be doing and Christians should be doing to share the gospel. And I remember reading these things and, and at times feeling just incredibly overwhelmed. At times feeling like, how am I supposed to do all of the things that God has given me to do? Like at the time, be a student and be a husband. And as I think about that now, you add being a pastor, being a father, all of these things. How am I supposed to do all of these things, yet also fulfill this task that I'm supposed to be going out and converting all these people to come to know Jesus? And I think the thing that I failed to recognize reading all of these things, and I think the thing that we at times fail to recognize when we talk about mission and the mission of God and the mission of the church, is we often forget that while mission is the what for the church, it is the thing that God has given us to do. That our vocations, those callings in life, the places that God has put you is the where. That you don't have to go around artificially trying to create these opportunities to share the gospel. But God has already put you in the places where He wants you to be. He has already placed you in the proper place, the place that He has in mind for you. He has already called you to those vocations for you to serve Him there. If mission is the what for the church, your vocation is the where for you. Because what we have been given is this basic task to simply love people and share Jesus. That's all we've been given. We have this task to to go and, and treat people well. So if you're in your workplace... 
And you have a boss who is an absolute jerk. Treat that boss with love and kindness and respect him. Or respect her. And maybe you're in a workplace where you are the boss. And you have people who answer to you who are at times disrespectful. Or insubordinate. Or lazy. Love them. Respect them. Treat them with kindness. And when you're asked why you do these things, when you're asked why you're so kind to that neighbor who drives everyone else crazy, you simply share the reason for the hope that is in you. You simply share the story of the God who is so loving, so kind, so caring for His humanity that He actually came and entered in and gave Himself for us. We share the story of our God who went to the cross bearing the sin of the world. We share the story of our God who has risen victorious over sin and death so that all creation would be set free. We simply go forth. We treat people with the kindness that they need. And when we have an opportunity, we give witness to Jesus. No bullhorns. No fire and brimstone. No guilt and shame. Just giving witness to the hope that sustains us. Giving witness to the thing that gives our life purpose. One thing uh, about me uh, that I, I've kind of come to realize myself is, is I go on these kicks where I get like really excited about things. So like if there's a, a new, new music uh, I'll, I'll get really, really into it, and I'll listen to an album or a song until like I hate it, and I'll just listen to it to death. And that's all I'll want to talk about is the thing that I'm really into. So whether it's music or, or a TV show or or a restaurant that I tried that I just thought was awesome, or, or or a beer or a bourbon that I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. I'll spend all my time talking about this thing that I'm just so excited about. And, and sometimes people will be like, okay, Marcus, that's, that's cool, but just be quiet. <laughs> BC, I think at the end of the day, the task that we've been given in our vocation, the work of witnessing to Jesus is really just sharing that thing that we hold most dear. It's simply giving away the gift that we've been given. It's simply giving witness to the promise that God has made to each of us that when we were baptized, we were buried with Jesus and raised with Jesus. And because of that, we're given this promise that we are going to live eternally with God in His kingdom. We're just simply giving away the thing that we hold most dear. Because the mission of the church is not about some big campaign or advertisement strategy or something like that. All it is, it's simply ordinary people living their lives in their ordinary callings, giving witness to the extraordinary grace of God that has taken sinful people like us and made us children of the Heavenly Father. People of God, go forth into your vocations. Remember those places that God has called you. 
the places where He has put you. Do good. Show love. Show kindness. And give witness to the God who has given His life for you. Amen? Amen. Amen.